Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Instead, it goes to Bailey. Welcome villains and gather round for the latest edition of Gather Around the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. It's the season of goodwill and Emery has gift-wrapped another three points, delivered to the Villa faithful by Ollie Watkins once again. With the game disintegrating into what seemed like Christmas Day in the Queen Vic by the end of the match, with Emmy Martinez once again assuming the role of chief pantomime villain. I'm your host, Andy, and this week it's season's greetings to Craig. Get out of my pub. <laughs> yes. <laughs> good evening. Uh, good afternoon, listener. Good morning. You know, good night. Whatever time of day you're listening to this. And season's greetings to you. Yeah, a, 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 a quite of a ding-dong battle over at the with the bees and um, a very interesting week, as always, on the good ship Aston Villa, Andy. Certainly is, and uh, it's been a little while since we've we've spoken really on on the podcast um, for various reasons. Thank you once again for uh, for standing in um, a few weeks ago. You did a, you did a few solo efforts as well, which was which was great. Um, so thanks for that. Um, just I mean, just quickly, I I, I need to ask you because we didn't get to talk about it. Um, the week, the historical week, Man City and Arsenal at home. How was it for you? It was absolutely orgasmic, <laughs> quite frankly. Um, if you could, and I'm sure you can, prolong such a thing for a week of football fixtures, it was just that. Um, it was it was almost the almost a spiritual thing. I think, like like many fans, I got quite emotional, particularly after the the, the Man City game. Um, the Arsenal one was more relief, actually, uh, <laughs> in the end. But um, but overall, just just almost like a spiritual awakening. I feel like I've, um, I don't know. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm uh, renewed in some way, and um, I feel like a kid again. As an Aston Villa yeah. fan, I feel the same kind of tingles and butterflies in my stomach as I did walking up past the uh, the Greaseburger vans with my dad uh, in, into Trinity Road to watch uh, Dalian Atkinson and Dean Saunders lace up their boots. Um, all those years ago, when I first started going, it's that same feeling. It's that. It's it's like falling in love all over again, I suppose, and um, and those two fixtures in particular were really incredible, an incredible marker, an incredible testament to the club, the owners, you know, from top to bottom, of course, the players, and um, most of all, um, the most, the biggest character, if you like, in our Christmas story is um, Father Uncle Christmas Unai Emery, which is <laughs> he is the gift giver, and he is yeah. the one who bringeth. That's right, and we love absolutely. Him. Even though he, he he probably resembles more like uh, Dracula, but he's um he's definitely <laughs> he's he's definitely Santa in our story. And I think I think um you, you you hit on a good point there. Just just quickly, um I think that time 
I've been trying to think of what this what this season and this year has has resembled most in my in my villa supporting lifetime and I think it is the Ron Atkinson era that particularly that season where we finished second um where the football particularly at home was absolutely scintillating and I feel like that's certainly that Man City game brought back a lot of memories from from that era which I don't think I mean we've had obviously we've had good uh, really good performances since then and really good games but this feels like it's it's backed up by an awful lot of substance as it was in in Ron Atkinson's time as well um and it's uh, it's tr- it's it, yeah it's it's tremendous and to go and to go and back it up with a you know a hard fought win against Arsenal uh, just you know that was the last thing i expected really after that after the wednesday night i thought that there's there's no way they're going to pull that out of the bag again and uh, and they did and it was it was evocative of that time and the run i think it, it it was, and I think obviously we had very good teams under Brian Little and um, and and John Gregory for a spell. But again, you know, we still pretty much always lost to Man United. Other than that three-one, you can't win anything with kids game. Uh, who were the preeminent force of that kind of era? Uh, we just didn't have a very good record against Man United, and now we have a dreadful record against Man City. And since we've come back to the Premier League under Dean Smith in particular, we we got all the scalps. But we had never got really close or near to Man City. They always, other than a 1-1 draw, I think last season under old uh, Stevie G, Man City always seemed to beat us by three or four. Uh, and that's kind of hard to take because it, it just, it's just a reminder every time you play them twice a year that you're just nowhere near that standard. And then to beat them as we did, so comprehensively, so thoroughly and so deservedly, it really was... Again, it was emotional and it was a new dawn and it was a reckoning moment, I think, not only for Aston Villa, but also the rest of the Premier League and the Premier League journalists. I think that victory really has had a number of people in the footballing zeitgeist um, really start to come aboard and wake up and smell the cocoa. I'm, I've got loads of metaphors today. I'm just fine out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're absolutely right, though, and I think that's that's the big point, isn't it, that... that, that people from outside are, are now looking at us and whenever there is, there is a conversation about the title or certainly about the Champions League, Aston Villa seem to be in that conversation at the moment. And um, I mean, whilst I, uh, I I think, you know, I'm considering banning the T word as John McGinn has done <laughs> on the podcast, but, um, I, you know, as far as, you know the wider world are concerned at the moment. We're in we're in the in the uh, in the race, and we'll t- we'll talk a bit more about that about that later on. Um, but I just wanted to kind of touch on on uh, last Thursday as well because um, we, we we haven't sort of discussed that either yet. And just just to kind of uh, highlight really that of course we qualified for the Europa Conference League um, last sixteen uh, with a with a. <laughs> Should we say a, a less than exciting one-all draw away at Zrinski Mostar? Um, it was Zaniolo's first first goal for Villa, put put Villa ahead, um, and then an excellent equaliser um, by Malakin Yuzic, um, I think is how you how you might say it. Um, but it was a, tri- a tricky night for Villa. Really, it was a it's a very strange kind of environment, very strange ground, and the pitch looked less than ideal. Um, but I've, um, 
the, they never really got the the game going on the night, and um, it was probably good to to just get out of there with 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 what we needed really, um, which was the point. Um, I mean, you've been our Europa Conference League correspondent really on the on the on the site, haven't you? Um, over over the last few months, but I mean, what 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 do you make of um, the the group campaign overall, really, and and how important to get that first first place in the group? Crucially important because we dodge a couple of fixtures that we don't really need adding to the, the calendar. Um, really crucial also in terms of our confidence and learning. Um, we do have European players with European pedigree. Uh, Zaniolo, as you mentioned, Leon Bailey, uh, Moussa Diaby, um, uh, Tielemans, obviously, and, and so on and so forth. Many of our players have uh, experience playing in the European competitions, but many of our players do not have any experience in those competitions. And we don't have the experience or recent experience as a football club. You know, we're going back 10, 12 years to the Martin O'Neill days. So that's a whole new generation of Villa fans and a whole new generation of Villa players that do not do know not do not know what it is for Aston Villa to be qualifying for Europe kind of year in, year out, and be and be part of those conversations. So it was a major learning curve. I think the particular the, the Leggy Warsaw defeat, I think, was chastening, and I think that actually a bit like those two defeats last year to Arsenal and Leicester at home, I think losing that uh, 3-2 to Mostar was probably the best thing that could have happened to us because we didn't take an opponent so lightly again. We were never so slapdash again. We were never so sloppy again uh, for the rest of the group campaign. And even in the game on Thursday against Mostar, as turgid as it was, it was a thoroughly professional performance and it was a professional performance from with with major rotation, which we also need to consider for our Premier League campaign. So all in all, it's been a really interesting adventure. I have major FOMO when I see all of the guys um, and girls out and about across Europe uh, making these jaunts to um, to to different corners of of of, of the European uh, uh, plane, as it were. And um, it's just, again, and those are also, you know, beside football, those are also kind of life experiences, you know, without wanting to be too corny. It'll always be a story now for, you know, a husband and wife or or a mother and daughter or whoever. Ah, you know, you remember that time we went to Bosnia or remember that time we were in Holland for that fixture and then this happened and that and we ate this. You know, it's those kind of experiences form, really form part of, your narrative as a supporter and um and 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 those kind of things are i think really special and 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 kind of magical particularly at a magical time of year like this yeah absolutely i think uh, and like you say it's such a rarity over the last few years so um absolutely brilliant experiences and you know i'd, I'd point you towards um, james rushton's latest uh, house of v newsletter if you haven't already, then then go and subscribe to that because he's he's done his recent. Um, I mean, he's done some some great stuff uh, over the last few months, but he's done he's done some recent uh, some some great uh, insights into his experience in in Mostar um, last week. So so go and have a look at that if you haven't already, and um, obviously you know some 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 good content from various people. But it looked like an odd one, didn't it? And three sides of the ground weren't had no stands and. You know, it looked a little bit like a leisure centre, really. Um, it looked like but, a game uh, of FIFA, you know, when you're just playing like a training <laughs> mode. I mean, I don't have FIFA yeah. anymore, but I used to. It was like a, yeah, you're in like training mode and it was like, but no, this is a real European fixture. It was very bizarre. Yeah, 
Yeah, but I think it's like like you say, very important that we got that we got that um, uh, first place. We don't have to play the playoff, and uh, we don't have to play a team dropping out of the Europa League. You know, ex- couple of extra games. Um, so I, th- I think that's good. I think that's 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 a positive thing, really. And we can now sort of focus on the league and possibly the FA Cup if we can get past uh, Middlesbrough. If we can um, get past the third round, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and uh, you know, just just focus on that for for a couple of months now. Um, but uh, yeah, re- really good, great great achievement, really, on the first first foray back into European competition for the club and be nice because I think it's right that we haven't won a knockout tie in Europe since 1983. I think that's right. I think it was a Super Cup um, match. After Christmas, that is. After Christmas, I should say. Um, so uh, that's that's quite... Um, that could be quite impressive if we managed to, to pull that off. So uh, let's see how we go. But it was, um, it was back to... Um, Back to the league action uh, on Sunday, Sunday afternoon. It's becoming a, a regular thing. How are you coping with the Sunday afternoon kickoffs over there, Craig, in, uh, in Philadelphia? <laughs> they're wretched, honestly, um, <laughs> because they fall. They're, they're normally nine a.m. on a Sunday morning, which is also when I play Sunday league. So I'm watching. Mo- I'm, 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 I'm missing lots of the banter in the group chat because I'm silencing everything, <laughs> and then watching it later on when I go when I get home from football. Um, so, but hey, small price to pay, Andy. Yeah, no, absolutely. But it's uh, it is it is interesting the different uh, vibe you get, really, particularly at the home games. Um, at two o'clock on a Sunday just doesn't doesn't feel right. It doesn't doesn't sit right in the routine. But I'm sure we'll we'll get used to it. And like you say, it's um, it's it's part and parcel of of being a, a success and getting into Europe. But it was it was Brentford away, a traditional bogey team. Uh, you know, never beat Brentford, except for uh, Aaron Danks. I think is the only Aston Villa manager to um, to uh, to manage to beat Brentford. Certainly over the last few years, um, there were a few changes to the team. Uh, Douglas Louise and Luca Dean were serving one match suspensions, and uh, Yuri Tielemans um, was out injured. Um, so Alex Moreno and, and Jacob Ramsey made their first league starts of the season with Matty Cash moving into midfield. Uh, Moussa Diaby also returned to the team with Bailey uh, just about fit enough, I think, to to, to be on the bench. Um, just, I mean, it, it, it's one of those things, I suppose, it's the, a busy season, isn't it? And lots of teams are having their, their, their injury problems. But it, just as we get a couple of long-term injuries Injuries back, we we lose a couple more, albeit to suspension. Um, but as ever, I think Emery seems to be able to to kind of shuffle the deck to to really good effect. Craig, he does, and he has a real no excuses culture, unlike someone that we won't name. Um, in that, whenever there's a suspension or an injury, um, you know, he even said before, you know, the Bournemouth game, it's like no suspension, injury, it's no excuse. We still need to have our performance. We still need to have our levels, et cetera, et cetera. And that translates. The last thing you want to do is give a footballer or anyone, for that matter, a pre-made excuse uh, uh, prior to a performance. It's about expectation levels of the, 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 the manager. It's about his standards. And it's about setting that kind of watermark and saying, no, this is our level. I don't care if Douglas Suiza isn't here. 
I don't care if Leon Bailey isn't here. This is the level we need to hit. This is the level we need to meet. And while obviously we won't always meet those standards, as we didn't for much of this Brentford game, it's always good to make sure that, that the players understand that there is a certain expectation now when you wear a Villa shirt and coasting or mediocrity will no longer be accepted. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, there were obviously a couple of big players missing, particularly Douglas Louise. You know, it's easy for. I mean, we've seen it. We've seen it in the past, haven't we? Where we lose, we lose a big player, and it it feels like, you know, it's going to be now difficult for the the team to function properly. But I think it's correct because Emery clearly does an awful lot of work and preparation himself with all the players, doesn't he? He's not. He's not reliant on. Obviously, it's good to have your best players available, but he's not reliant on any any one player like like sort of particularly you know maybe like Dean Smith was with with Grealish and and so on so it it's it he, he seems to be able to 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 have workarounds for certain problems you know and how do you how do you kind of fill in for someone like Douglas Louise because no one does what Douglas Louise does but it's just changing things up enough to make it make it work for somebody else whether it's John McGinn Jacob Ramsey who whoever it is you know, so we see this all the time, and the the team seems to evolve almost without us knowing at times. Um, you know, Carlos is now the first choice centre back, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Whereas, you know, and that's almost happened without us really noticing. Without us yeah. really noticing, and it, and it's and it's in, incredible coaching, really, an incredible kind of way to to evolve the team and get and get people involved where you want them as well, and in the right way, so they know what they're doing it's it's so impressive and it and it stands us in such good stead when we lose players it does well well, that's it now the key phrase is team Uh, you allude to Jack Grealish's Aston Villa and that's what it was and before that um, when Jack Grealish was not necessarily um, uh, focusing fully on his football in the championship let's say it was Jonathan Codger's Aston Villa for a year we're waiting for Codger to do something Um, many of you will have been present at that famous Warsaw pre-season friendly uh, where Steve Bruce's tactical instruction was screaming at everyone, give the ball to Jack, give it to Jack. And that was it. Yeah. And that was it. And and lots of you will have been there and heard that. I'm not I'm not exaggerating. That was literally what Steve Bruce was screaming and, and everyone could hear it. Um, mm. We've evolved beyond that now. We have designated choreography, if you like, and we have proper uh, patterns of play, attacking phases. And we saw those attacking phases that we'd missed actually this season come to the fore in the Brentford game with the Moreno overlap. We saw him getting to some good positions, probably should have scored a goal, actually. We saw Ramsey get into the Ramsey position with that late run, knocked down from Molly Watkins, and and normally he buries that kind of chance as well. So those team things we haven't seen because we didn't have Moreno. Luca Dean has played wonderfully this season, but he doesn't have that kind of speed and he doesn't come inside like that. He... He's a standard-deliver kind of guy, and he's been delivering wonderfully. Moreno offers a different thing. Ramsey offers a different thing. And whichever way you look at the Aston Villa side, we can hurt you from so many different angles, so many different ways. And um, and even just thinking about the goals against Brentford, as I'm sure we'll get into, we've hurt them there from, from two headers, which isn't necessarily something we're typically strong from. But we are a team that can get to you in so many different ways now. And and it is and it all comes back to the team. It comes back to the unit. We're going to be missing, obviously, Kamara now for a little while. 
and you will trust Unai to, to, to shuffle the decks, whether that's Dendonka, who did us proud at home against Newcastle and at home against Manchester United. Maybe it's him, whether it's somebody else. Maybe we might see an emergence of Tim Urugunum. But the thing is, you don't panic about it, or I don't panic about it, because you just know that Unai has a plan for whatever it is, for whoever's missing. Um, the only one I don't think he would have a plan for is Martinez, because I don't know if you can replace the best goalkeeper in the world with Robin Olsen and, and it'd be okay. But otherwise, <laughs> in terms of the outfield players, there's a really strong structure, Andy, and it's and it's it's layered. It's like an onion over here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unai's oh, onion. Absolutely. I think I think you're right. It's um it's it's really impressive and it's taken away all that um sort of 2 p.m. or an hour before kickoff kind of meltdown situation, hasn't it, with the, the team news. It's really not it doesn't it doesn't really yeah. matter who's playing. It's it's um it's fine and there's there's like you say, other than Martinez, there's probably no one that you you're absolutely terrified of losing. Um and it's it's but that's just because Martinez is 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 so much better than the person that's deputising for him and you know, when it's your goalkeeper, you haven't got a lot of option, have you? You've got to just pick the the other goalkeeper sort of thing. Um, whereas, you know, if we lost Ollie Watkins, it would be really difficult. But I'm confident Emery would find a workaround for that. Same with McGinn, same with with uh, Douglas Louise, as we saw. So, you know, it, it's it, it takes all that it takes all that stress out, Craig. <laughs> all that stress. It's uh, it's amazing, really. I think there's an element of Unai Emery seeing the pattern of us conceding so early in so many away games, um, including the the Tottenham win, um, and but generally us not being able to come back from that. Um, we were able to come back and get a draw against Bournemouth. We lost against Forest, and we lost other games, obviously, because of conceding these early goals. So I think it might be a deliberate attempt to keep a little bit tighter uh, for the first few minutes so we're not you know we're not we're not coming you know I'm not having a mountain to climb I think is the idea uh, unfortunately it didn't last all the way through the first half as we considered there right before the end but yeah I definitely noticed a change and a difference and I think we're being slightly more conservative in the first half to um to to kind of mitigate that early away goal or home goal as it were but anyone anyway, to the the first half, and it was it was a pretty tight first half, really, with uh, Villa seeming to control the possession, um, but Brentford holding their shape really well and looking pretty sharp on the counter counter attack. We had good chances, uh, both uh, Moreno, as you mentioned, and, and Matty Cash also had a had a little chance at the at the back post. Um, but then right on half time, uh, Lewis Potter found space in the Villa box and and stabbed the ball past Martinez. Um, this uh, the first half kind of away performance um, seems to be sort of more measured and and slower than at home, and and we've seen Villa concede first on a few occasions, um, and have had to chase chase the game really. Then, um, and it's generally there have been occasions where it's it's worked out pretty well, but is this a, a deliberate ploy? Do you think away from home, um, or? Uh, is this just to be expected with the the sort of home side dictating the the tempo? Well, it's harder. I mean, we can't just um, we can't just win every game, Andy. That wouldn't be fair. Um, but <laughs> but yeah, I think definitely 
I mean, yeah, it would be fine by me also. But I think that there's going to be different ways and different means. I think that the Premier League is is ultra competitive. I do think we have a couple of teams <laughs> touching wood here in Sheffield United and Burnley who are uh, Luton are actually doing much better. Who who are not really necessarily equipped for this this level. But other than that, you've got really strong teams. I mean, even you look at what Fulham were doing recently. They 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 had two five nils on a spin and then go to West Ham and um, go to Newcastle, sorry, and take a bit of a hiding. Like, there is real quality. Even Bournemouth going to Old Trafford and winning 3-0 after we drew, drew with them. Um, obviously, their recent game was um, um, suspended and we wish our, uh, the, the best, obviously, to uh, Mr. Lockyer and, and family uh, because of that terrible incident. But the, the, the truth is, it isn't just a cliche. There is real quality throughout the league. And the idea that you're just going to rock up to someone's home turf on a pitch you don't know, in a stadium you don't know, in a hotel room you don't know, all those little tiny things with home crowd not with you or behind you. I think it's really important that we 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 try and take the sting out of it. I think, again, it's, it sounds a little bit old-fashioned here and it does sound like a bit of a cliche, but yeah, you keep it tight for the first 25, 30 minutes, suck some of the energy out of the home crowd and then build from there. So you kind of almost make it a one-hour fixture in that regard and 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 I think that we're going to need <coughs> excuse me we're going to need to do that moving forward and our home rec- our home record obviously is perfect we want to maintain that but if we want to continue this title charge Andy um then we're going to have to slightly marginally approve our away record and turn some of these draws into into wins yeah, it, it's just one of those things, isn't it? Because obviously it, it seems to leave us, um, like I say, sort of chasing things then in the second half. Um, against Tottenham, it was a bit different. We we managed to get the equaliser with a, a, an excellent goal um, at the time from Torres um, right, right at the end of the half. Um, so that set the second half up really well. But if you go in sort of, away from home one nil down maybe even two nil although we've not I don't think we've done that but you know it's possible um it does leave you sort of having to having to chase things really and possibly leaving yourself open against Forest then we conceded the second goal and and never really kind of got going again did we um I just wonder whether this I, I don't want to call it a blind spot because we've just won but you know, is is it is it a bit of a a thing that we just have to kind of put up with away from home? Well, how, you know, we haven't been in a title race since uh, two thousand nine, two thousand. No, not even sorry. To like, to, was it two thousand with under Gregory? So the the T word ban banning order yeah. lasted all the so, ten minutes. There, look, that's, uh, hey, look <laughs> that's yeah. I, I mean, you can ban it, but I'll say it. We're in a title race currently. I'll say it again. We're in a title race, and. Um, and we want to be in that race as long as you can. For any Formula One fans, it's like uh, when they always say, well, you can't win the Grand Prix in the first lap, but you can lose it. It's a bit like that. We can't win the Premier League right now, but we can lose it by, you know, being falling away or being in a position like Man United are, where they, there's no chance they can win. We're not in that chance. We are at, uh, at the dawn of Christmas and we are still one of the contenders and let's try and be a contender for as long as we can 
Yeah, no, no, I, I would agree with that, and I don't want to be the Grinch over here, uh, spoiling everyone's fun. <laughs> no, it's fine, um, but uh, yeah, absolutely. It's um, I suppose it is just getting used to that that difference, isn't it? And and also trusting in you know that the that the players, the team, and and the manager know know what they're doing, and we are building up that body of evidence now that make these situations easier for us to to cope with uh in game i suppose and 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 just kind of wait and see what happens and you know it's it's um it's 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 working pretty well i think someone said we've got the 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 sixth best away record in in the country as well as obviously the best home record at the moment so that's not too bad really is it um considering we we're, we're all a bit worried about our our away form but um but anyway um obviously I, I you know I want to obviously get you on to onto matters close to your heart um Mr Ben Mee um he got a, a red card for a, you know a really sort of high challenge studs up tackle on uh Leon Bailey relatively early in the second half um it was initially uh, given as a yellow card by the by the referee and, and upgraded by VAR to a red um, the decision obviously changed the course of the game. I think Brentford, you know, felt relatively comfortable with their lead, um, and Villa was sort of huffing and puffing, trying to find a way back in. Really, um, I mean, the the main question here is how did the ref on the field not not give the red card in the first place, given that he was five yards away and looking looking straight at it? I can only imagine. And I might be being incredibly generous that it all happened so quickly um, that he couldn't see. Um, but that was certainly a rash and dangerous challenge, and not the first one. I've been very vocal on this show about Ben Mee and his uh, curtailment, him ending Wesley's top-tier career um, for Aston Villa, for Brazil, and, and in the Premier League. What I thought was a somewhat promising career. I know others disagree, but whatever. Whether you thought he was the next coming of uh, of, of, of Lionel Messi or you thought he was the next coming of Jeff Horsfield, it doesn't really matter. His opportunity was taken away by a horrendous scissor tackle from, from Ben Mee. And Leon Bailey, others have said it, so I won't belabor the point too much, but if his foot is planted in the ground and he has any kind of percentage of his body weight on that foot, he has a broken leg or a broken ankle. It's as simple as that. Um, at, at, at worst, and, and at the least, he has some kind of ligament damage. And he's endangered, not for the first time, an opponent. And a, and a red card is the least he deserves. And I think he deserves probably a little bit more on top of that, dare I say. Yeah, no, it's, it, it, is a, it is a shocking challenge. And he's just one of those players. And it was pointed out that it's only his, his second red card uh, in his career, which which seems ridiculous. I mean, obviously, as, as Villa fans, well, a, a lot of people said he probably should have had a red card. We certainly should have had a red card for that that Wesley challenge that you that you mentioned. Um, and Wesley actually uh, went on social media and and uh, and posted a um, you know a uh, well did a post sort of. Uh, you know, almost applauding the <laughs> the red the fact that he got the red card. He obviously, you know, still holds holds that um, within. How could you, know, you that, not? That, no, absolutely. It's it is a personal thing, isn't it? And you know, albeit 
you know, I think professional footballers, when they go onto the field, they, they you have to accept the fact that these things might happen, and it might be it might be as a result of reckless play, or it might be just as Tyro Mings discovered, just just running after a football and and going over funny. But you know, it, there is an acceptance that that might happen. But when it is, it is that kind of um, uh, sort of severe the challenge and. And it was, like you say, it was potentially a really dangerous one, a really bad one. Um, and I, I mean, we'll come on to Kamara in a bit, but the fact that you can get a red card and a three-match ban for what Ben Mee did and the same for what Kamara did just seems seems daft to me. Yeah, I think I think there's been talk of introduction, the introduction of a sin bin or an orange card and stuff like that. And definitely discipline matters are are, are important. We know that um, we want to protect our flair players and we want to see them on the pitch. I mean, there was, back in the dark ages of football, the, the flair players were kicked from pillar to post and we don't necessarily, well, I'll speak for myself, maybe, maybe some people do, I don't necessarily pay my money to see the hard carriers. I pay my money to see the Leon Baileys and the Musa Diabis of this world and the um, and and the Dwight Yorks and the Jack Grealishes, the flair players. And so we have to do a good job of protecting them. And while obviously they, they can't be like um, a protected species, you know, like goalkeepers are, where you just can't touch them or it's a foul, I don't think we should go that far. But certainly we need to make sure that if you are putting in that kind of um, career-threatening challenge, which is what I think it was from Ben Mee, that the, there is a, a suitable um, punishment so we can hopefully dissuade people from flying in like that i mean he must be what a 15 a 15 stone guy flying he's a big lad flying in with all his body weight with his studs up at full speed i mean it's you know it's frightening to think it's 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 not it's not okay it's not cool it's not and i know the um the spurs fans the matty cash the matty cash tackle was nothing like that Nothing like that. No, absolutely. Yeah, it is. It is absolutely one of those things, and they've done. They've done quite a lot, haven't they, to to remove those those kind of challenges from the game. But you know, there are certain players that obviously uh, their emotions get the best better of them in those situations. But thankfully, he did get the red card, and you're never quite sure with VAR. But I think it was a fairly nailed on, um, nailed on. Uh, decision really um but like i say it changed the game and and then on on 77 minutes um alex moreno uh making his first start of the uh, uh first premier league start of the season stolen at the back post to, to plant his header um from from leon bailey's excellent cross um into the, into the net to equalize um it's his second goal of the season having scored against uh, legia warsaw in very similar circumstances, actually, very similar type of goal, um, and and also yet yet another assist for for Leon Bailey, whose numbers are really racking up this season. Um, Luca Dean, those proved a lot of people wrong. Um, the start of this season is obviously missed the game on Sunday, and, and Moreno's uh, come back in. Um, Luca Dean perhaps would. Considering himself uh, first choice, deservedly so at the moment, um, but we saw how much of an effect Moreno can offer down the flank. Um, so, how do you see that that left side now with with Ramsey also returning 
to fitness alongside Morena? Well, this is it. None of the mainstream pundits really have picked this up at all, but we've been missing our starting left-hand side for the whole season. Uh, as well as Luca Dean's done, and he's done very well, and he's proven me wrong, and 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 I think even the management. I mean, he was told, according to reports, Luca Dean that is that he was surplus to requirements, that he could find himself a new club, and there was one stage of the transfer window where it seemed he was destined for either a move to Saudi Arabia or Qatar with the Coutinho, I believe, but then the Acuna deal, I believe, fell through because he got an injury, and Bob's uncle, Fanny Gerant, Luca Dean is starting the season at left back and, and has had by far his best uh, period as an Aston Villa player. But as I alluded to earlier, as wonderful as Luca Dean's done, Moreno offers a different kind of threat. Moreno does not have the same crossing ability that Luca Dean has, but Moreno has the the legs to get up and down and the incisive kind of one-twos and all that kind of stuff to get to the byline, to create chances and also to score goals. I don't remember too many times of Luca Dean, and this isn't a critique. Again, it's just a different type of player, and um, not not too many times Luca Dean's popping up the back post to nod one in, um, and that's because that's not his game. So, having this opportunity now to use them both, so there may be there will be games where we need Moreno's penetrative running, and that's going to be important. And there'll be games where probably. We're going to need Luca Dean's kind of technical expertise and his 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 crossing ability as a weapon to hurt other teams who are maybe more vulnerable to that kind of attack. So the the great news is we really have some competition for places at left back. We now need the same at right back, but that's a different story for a different day, perhaps. And with Jacob Ramsey, we also have, let's not forget, one of the best young English players in the Premier League, a goal-scoring midfielder or wide player, um, however you want to characterize him, someone who has incredible athleticism, incredible uh, speed with the ball at his feet, one of those players who almost seems to move faster with the ball than without the ball, and someone who can really be a major weapon on the uh, on, on the counter-attack and offensively, and also someone who is able to pick up those half spaces and arrive late in the box, as we saw uh, uh, when he almost scored. He, he kind of skewed one wide, but you know, we're not worried about that. Jacob Ramsey will score a lot of goals. I think Moreno has goals as well. So when we're adding goals to the team and competition for places, it, it can only all go well for the second half of the season. We just need Mings and Buendia back now and we'll be, we'll be laughing, Andy. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Because uh, that's the other thing. Like M- Mings is very much part of that left side as well. When he joins in, sort of progressing the attack forward, Mings is... I mean, we, we have Torres there now, but, you know... That whole left side has been has been decimated for most of the season, like you say, and it's it's just great to see see those numbers coming back. But I, I, I agree. I think Luca Dean has really um, done us proud. I think you know he's he's held that side up, hasn't he, um, uh, by himself? And considering, like you say, he was potentially on his way out. So he'd have known he was either surplus to requirements or, or about to be replaced or whatever whatever the situation was, um, and to go and get his head down like he has and produce um, some of the performances that he has, and also improve his game. He's I think he's improved, you know, dramatically Markedly, defensively, yeah. um, and 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 that's 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 great to see and. Um, 
really, really good options now in that position and down that side. You know, the option as well to play to play both Dean and, and Moreno potentially, yeah. which was obviously talked about when when Moreno first came in. So just 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 you know, again, you know, more and more options coming and more and more um potential coming into the squad now and yeah, I mean, I, I I would be amazed if we saw Tyrone Mings this season, but there's a chance of Buendia maybe, and you know, I think both both players are, you know, are, are stepping up their their recoveries. So, who knows? Who knows? Um, you know, come sort of March April when the when the daffodils come up and we we can smell the sausages, <laughs> uh, Craig. Um, you know, who knows? Who will have at our disposal? Um, Absolutely. And who knows, also, to add another uh, 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 consideration, what might happen in January? Da, 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 da. Oh, no. It's just around the corner, Craig, isn't it? Uh, it is days away. <laughs> yeah, it's always uh, it's always the best thing about New Year's Eve, knowing that uh, the day after you could potentially make a signing, you know. So <laughs> <laughs> it never happens there. Um but yeah, I mean, it's 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 that started the comeback, didn't it? Uh, Moreno, excellent finish, second goal of the season. Um, you know, looking looking really sharp. Um, and of course, it it set up the uh, the last few minutes, um, and Villa managed to get the winner. Um, the corner delivered low into the box, met by Watkins, and he just punched the header into the net. Um, his celebration caused a bit of discontent amongst the uh, the Brentford crowd as he appeared to to sort of stare out a fan behind the goal, who he says has been giving him some some abuse during the game. Um, so he was just kind of uh, kind of making his point. Um, it was another away day winner for Watkins um, to add to those those at Chelsea and and Tottenham, plus of course the equaliser at Bournemouth uh, a couple of weeks ago. And he's now also scored twenty-one league goals in in two thousand in uh, sorry twenty twenty-three, um, the calendar year, which which beats a record previously set by Dwight Dwight York, that man again. Um, he is so vital to this this team now, isn't he? And how we how we go about things. Yeah, he's he's incredible. There was lots of conversation about Watkins under Gerrard uh, last season when he was struggling. I think he had two goals at this stage last season. And um, he's completely turned it around, as have many of the Aston Villa players. And there was the conversation last season where it was kind of for Ollie Watkins, both in terms of his England future and in terms of being Aston Villa's main number nine, he was either going to have to improve his finishing or he was going to have to step aside. Well, I think we know which one happened, Andy. Um, he's not only improved his finishing, he's improved his all-round play, his all-round game, his hold-up play, his link play, his um, his general kind of physicality when when dealing with defenders. He gave uh, Pinnock the runaround. He gave Saliba the runaround last week as well. Puts defenders in a real big kind of physical contest and, and asks them lots of questions. And another thing he does really well, which is kind of the Heskey thing, um, which doesn't really get seen or appreciated, but he just creates space for other people. Like that that, that Jacob Ramsey chance that I've mentioned a couple of times, Ollie Watkins has, has been able to create that chance and give Jacob Ramsey a free hit of goal because he's occupying two central defenders. And he does that all the time. He takes one or two or sometimes three opposition players out of the game 
which creates space for other players. He is completely integral to what we're doing. Um, he's another one that has, um, <coughs> excuse me, alongside Luca Dean and, and John McGinn and Konza, has completely transformed himself. And um, I think he's not only vital to Aston Villa now, I also dare say he's going to be a vital cog of the England side uh, going to uh, this summer's Euros. Yeah, I think that seems to be the direction of travel, doesn't it? I think he's he's been in the mix, hasn't he, with with obviously Wilson, Calvert Lewin, who I, who I still think is probably in the mix. Um and he's he's edged ahead of those players, hasn't he, as as kind of Kane's deputy, as the you know, the the, the reserve centre forward, if you like, for England. But I was just thinking about this earlier, because there's there is still a little bit of um I don't know that that sort of feeling isn't there of you know do we need another not another striker to replace him necessarily but you know there's always been this kind of doubt as to whether this will continue for for Ollie Watkins because he has gone through these these streaky spells in in the past but I just wonder if we'd have signed if we'd have signed Ollie Watkins in January and he'd produced what he's produced There'd be absolutely no doubts with there. There'd be absolutely no doubts about where he is in in you know the the sort of pantheon of, of Villa strikers over the years um, and what he means to this team because this year this calendar year has just been absolutely sensational. Um, I mean, he did have a little spell, didn't he? He went on a on a run of scoring um, really important goals. Uh, during that kind of 10-game unbeaten run last season um, and then sort of tailed off a little bit and then picked up again at the end of the season. But this season, he's just been on another level and he's really catching the eyes and he's really kind of, um, you know, a big player. But, you know, there's there's been a lot of talk, hasn't there, about other strikers, Tammy Abraham, Danny Ings, all these, all these people. But there is no one... We could not get a better striker, could we, at our level? Than Ollie Watkins. No, uh, we 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 cannot. Um, we may be able to ve- develop a better striker in in John Duran, but that's going to take a few years. Um, but no, we can't go out and buy one um, because even Watkins has taken three or four, three and a half seasons of Premier League football to get to this to to get to this stage. And um, anyone you're going to buy, you know, whether it's Man United spending eighty million on the BTEC Haaland or um, it's uh, West Ham spending £40 on Scamacca and sending him back to Italy within 18 months. There is no uh, Sebastian Haller, another one West Ham bought for £40 ended up going going out the door as well as quickly as he came in. The idea that you just pluck a striker, a ready-made striker, not named kind of Erling Haaland, and pop him into the Premier League and he performs at this level is just mythical. Watkins... I think a couple of years ago, was behind the likes of Gabriel Jesus and Rich Harlison. He's now better than those players. He's he's now kind of, in terms of numbers, only second to Erling Haaland and in the history of Aston Villa strikers. As you said, in terms of calendar year performance, he's now bettered everybody. That's Benteke, that's Dwight York, that's Stan Collymore, it's, uh, it's Dean Saunders, it's Dalian Atkinson, it's Dion Dublin, for goodness sake. Darren Bent, who had an amazing year with Aston Villa. Ollie Watkins has now beaten all of them and he still has um, three games to go before the, the new year to, to extend that goal run even further. So it's now at the point where it can't be argued, it can't be denied, it can't be questioned. Uh, the numbers are there. 
and um, his 2021 20, numbers, his, his 2023 numbers, sorry, 21 goals is top draw. Yeah. Simple yeah, as that. To- totally agree. And, uh, you know, it's um, it's uh, it's just one of those situations. And he's so durable as well, isn't he? I don't want to talk too much about no, that don't. in case we, <laughs> we jinx it. But, you know, the fact he plays so much and, you know, he's he's got so much football in him, um, he's just... Is just another bonus, isn't it? I mean, even with Haaland, you know, Haaland has these times out of the team. Harry Kane has always missed large chunks of seasons, you know, because of injury. Um, it's just, it's just such a bonus to have Ollie Watkins with us, and the fact that we've, we've obviously um, been a big part of developing him as well is, is just makes it all the sweeter. I think he's not just someone we brought in for. Um, you know, as as a kind of hired gun, you know, we have actually, we have actually um, developed and, and made him, you know, partially made him the player that he that he is now, which is which is fantastic. Lots of similarities with Dwight York, and you know, Dwight York wasn't a, a roaring success straight away. You know, he always had to play sort of second fiddle to other other players, and you know, he was he was under undervalued. Uh, quite a lot in the early in the few early years before he, he's kind of there were those who considered Neil Lamptey a stronger prospect <laughs> yeah, absolutely uh, you know and I, I look how that turned out he did he did score against Wigan or Peterborough or somebody but um, <laughs> yeah not quite the heights that Dwight York and, and Ollie Watkins are is, is currently um, going but I loved I loved the finish as well just that just stood there and nodded it into the net you know completely calm it loved was, it it was absolutely brilliant yeah re- <laughs> and that was the finish of a man in didn't snatch at it was relaxed was cool was calm yeah collected and and that's the the level he's at now he finished it like you would expect Salah to finish it or Haaland to finish it yep nodded in thank you very much um we'll take the three points yeah. I bet you didn't have Neil Ampty on your uh, Aston Villa <laughs> bingo card listener did you <laughs> Oh, I certainly did. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, that's a great reference. Brilliant. <laughs> I don't know where you, where you plucked that one from, Craig. But uh, yeah. hey, my brain is nothing if not a soup of random and mostly useless information. <laughs> Which is good for podcasting, I must say. Um, <laughs> yeah, the match obviously ended in a, in a bit of controversy there um, towards the end. Um, some rather unseemly exchanges between Martinez and, and Neil Malpe, um, the second of which, of course, led to Kamara uh, being sent off for raising his hand to the opponent. Um, Emery seemed really annoyed by all this and um, the fact we sort of lost our composure, really, and he, he said he wanted to speak to the players about it. Um, and we, we don't often see our players. Obviously, we know Emmy Martinez has a tendency to to wind people up, but we don't tend to see this kind of fracas at Villa games. Um, Kamara obviously now missed three matches as a result, which is a, a really big loss um, to the team. Um, do you think Martinez possibly crossed a bit of a line here? Or, you know, because of, you know, Kamara doesn't get sent off if it's not for all that melee, really. Yeah, I'm I'm on the I'm on the wrong side of the fence with this one. Um I'm I'm not having this. It's Martinez's fault. Right. Um we have to have personal accountability. It's no good saying, Oh, Martinez made me do it. Martinez didn't make Rubakar Kamara grab that man by the throat. Now, yes, did 
Martinez act probably a little bit less than ideally. Probably, but Neil Mope is uh, uh, got the uh, Patrick Bamford treatment <laughs> that uh, Tyrone Rings gave him. And Neil Mope is almost just as annoying as Patrick Bamford, so you could kind of understand it. But my view is that Kamara is... Um, is you know he's he's a big boy second year in the Premier League full French international uh, he has to take accountability for for his own actions and own behaviours um, you can't go doing that I mean you know you can have handbags little push and shove maybe take a booking but when you raise your hand in that way um, that's your fault that's not Emmy Martinez's fault in my view but I can see I do take the point that obviously if if Martinez doesn't do that then 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 perhaps the whole thing doesn't happen but e- either way. You can't be doing that nonsense um, um, at any time, regardless. No, that that is true. They all they all know the rules, don't they? And 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 absolutely, it's up to the individuals to to sort of manage their behaviour and their their emotions. Um, it was rather, I mean, you know, in terms of pure entertainment, it's it's you know, it's it's quite quite funny to watch, isn't it? Two players kind of behave, behaving like that it was just when when other players got involved then that it it, it kind of escalated really the funny thing was i enjoyed yeah. it i enjoyed martinez <laughs> well, hitting the deck yeah i kind of mope. i, I enjoyed well. mope giving him back i was like hey, it gave me a little bit of a smile but yeah obviously losing kamara for 10 games is it is maybe not disastrous but um could be a problem particularly away at old trafford where we're going to need him. I think we could probably cope without him on the other games. But then, if you're looking at it half glass through, Andy, mm. glass through, gla- half glass full, um, it does repeat the uh, the age old tradition of, of footballers from yesteryear making sure they had a booking or suspension so they didn't have to play on Boxing Day. Maybe <laughs> Kamara's channeled that uh, that that old age thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. Uh, yeah, I'm. Not, I'm not sure. I'm sure. He'd, I'm sure he'd rather be playing at, at Old Trafford on Boxing Day. Uh, but uh, yeah, certainly uh, that has been a, an issue um, in the past. The funny thing was well, that he, he missed his honeymoon, didn't yeah. he, because of uh, Didier Deschamps? Yeah. So maybe you promised the wife that uh, he wouldn't miss Christmas. <laughs> maybe. maybe. The funny thing was, though, in all that, Emmy Martinez didn't get a booking, which. Um, I think, which is which is, <laughs> you know, absolutely incredible, you know. But and as you well, I really love Emmy Martinez. Isn't, isn't he great? Well, he's, and I love how much he annoys everybody else. Yeah. Everybody else's fans. Yeah, no, it, he is. And but he's so good, isn't he? That's the thing. He backs it up by being brilliant as well. Um, he's not just um, annoying and the pantomime villain. He is actually the best goalkeeper currently in the premier league i would i would say so you know yeah, he is he's, 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 he backs it he backs it all up you know he's he's not he's not just and that's why people can't can't necessarily criticize him at the moment because he is performing so well um which is which is obviously great for us but yeah he's 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 a, he's a joy to have on our team and i can totally understand why the the fans Find him, find him frustrating, but that's mainly probably because he keeps saving their shots, which, uh, which is great, obviously. Um, but we, we we were briefly up to second, um, but obviously we we're coming towards um, Friday night now, Friday night lights, um, and we have a, a pre Christmas treat as as Villa host Sheffield United at Villa Park. Um, with Emery looking to make it 16 wins in a row. Now, there is a world where if Aston Villa win on 
against Sheffield United on Friday. Um, I think depending on the Liverpool-Arsenal result the next day, we could be top of the league um, at Christmas, Craig. And uh, there are stats which I haven't actually dug up, um, which says that uh, the team... Quite often, the team that are top at Christmas go on to to win the league. Um, so <laughs> it might become more. Of a well, I like that you said league and not title, yeah, Andy. That's, that's good. Yeah, trying to get round it on a on a technicality. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it could could be a tough tough game. Obviously, Cameron Archer will be returning to the club as as part of the struggling Sheffield United team, who are looking to turn the corner with with Chris Wilder reinstalled as the manager. Um, we'll await news on on Yuri Tielemann's fitness. Um, obviously, uh, Bubakar Kamara won't be won't be available because of suspension. Um, and we'll have Douglas Louise and Luca Dean back in the squad also. Um, this feels like a great opportunity, doesn't it, to make our case for, for to be to be top of the league at, at Christmas. Um, and I guess this in the in the title race. But but Wilder's teams are are never a slam dunk and. As we have seen with Villa teams in the past, we we tend to stumble at the at the vital moments. Um, what are your thoughts for this one? Is this this got to be a banker? Has it, Craig? Um, under previous regimes, I would have agreed with that. You know, Villa teams tend to slip. Um, not Unai Emery's team; they don't tend to slip in these moments. Um, they tend, touch wood here, to make almost light work of these kind of fixtures, even, even you know, the Fulham games, uh, you know, <laughs> those kind of fixtures that we've had, 4-0 against Everton, I think 3-2 or 3-1 against Fulham, um, a victory against Crystal Palace. There's no need for me to r- read off all of the home wins that we've had, but, <coughs> excuse me, there is an element of us absolutely flying and through these kind of fixtures at home. Um, Sheffield United, I agree on the Wilder point, Andy. They will be tougher uh, with Wilder at the, the, the helm than they were with the previous incumbent. But all that being said, the Sheffield United side are not as good as the Aston Villa side. And I believe that particularly with the returning Douglas Ruiz, um, who we did miss against Brentford, um, you would hope that we we have enough to, to do the job here and pick up the three points. Um, not a home banker, but um, certainly a winnable game, I'd say. Yeah, one one we probably should be should be looking to win, of course. And you know, it's always a bit a bit unnerving when a team sort of changes their manager, and particularly someone like Wilder, who's 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 so ingrained in that club and will get them playing. Better, they will be harder to beat than they have been, which isn't isn't that difficult probably. But they, they will certainly put more of a fight now um, between now and the end of the season. That's that's for sure. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? I think I, th- I think we we do get to these stages at times um, with, with with Villa and just just needing that that extra win just to just to get us over a, a tricky hump and to, to get us into a into a um, you know, a, a much stronger position, and and sometimes fall by the wayside. I felt like that, that a, a little bit with the, the Nottingham Forest game earlier in the season, and of course, Steve Cooper's now lost his job, his job today, which is uh, which is interesting. Um, but um, yeah, this this was a game as well. Cole um, 
joined me last week, joined me and James last week uh, for the podcast, and he was more nervous about this one than the the Brentford game, which is uh, which is interesting. I think it was the wilder factor possibly playing into that. So so we'll certainly see, but. Yeah, it'd be great to have, obviously, Douglas Louise back. Hopefully, Tielemans is okay. I'm not sure about what his injury is, really, uh, Craig. I don't know if if you know. No, I haven't seen anything about it. No. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see on that one. And, obviously, there'll be decisions to be made. I mean, it may be it may be a game even to, to go with DRB and Bailey from the start, um, you know, and, and really sort of try and hit them early, early doors and... And, and kill the game off in the first half if we can. That would be that's the dream scenario, um, I would say. But but we'll we'll we'll, we'll wait and see. It's certainly um, it should be a, a, a good night pre Christmas um, under the lights at Villa Park. It's uh, it's it should be a it should be a good occasion and noisy atmosphere. I would say lots of people finishing work on Friday and uh, uh, and, yeah. and hitting hitting the pubs. I would say. <laughs> You would imagine there'll be one or two visitors to the Christmas market for a glass of glue wine and a hot dog um, on their way to to the ground. You would you would you would imagine that 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 people may may perhaps be well oiled by the time they get there, in full voice, ready for the Christmas break. Um, it should be a carnival type atmosphere, considering the success that Villa are enjoying and the home record and. Uh, the home atmosphere recently, Andy, has, has been, and now you, you can speak to this obviously better than I can, but certainly it seems to be amongst the best that I remember it being. Mm. And I, I can't see Friday night with all those, con- yeah, Friday night under the lights, you, you're off before Christmas. You've 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 had a probably nice day uh, doing your bits and pieces. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's a great occasion where Villa can also go to the top of the league. It doesn't get, it doesn't get much better than that, surely. <laughs> Yeah, just to hear that chant, we are top of the league um, at Villa Park again. Because <laughs> we weren't even top of the league in the championship, were we? Um, so, no. So this will be quite something, probably for the first time. Oh, I don't know when. I don't. Well, we we were top. We were top of the league at the start of um, the season, I think, under Dean Smith, weren't we? But we were we were all locked out the grounds at the time, so uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> not great um but yeah it's been a long time since we've 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 had this type top of opportunity so let's hope the uh the players are up for it and we'll be all taking strict screenshots of the table after the game um hopefully so um prediction for this one three nil Aston villa three nil yeah it's a, i still think we concede i'm gonna go four one <laughs> I think maybe you, with, even ca- with 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 Archer to get a consolation in the 85th minute. Yeah, that'll that'll do nicely. Um, that'd be good. I'd I'd, I'd settle for that. Um, but that's great. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining me again, Craig. It's been been nice to see you again after a few weeks of uh, of, of not having these 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 weekly chats. Um, yes, <laughs> good to catch up and uh, you know obviously a good time to talk about Villa at the moment, isn't it? It really is. Um, things have never been so good, um, certainly in my lifetime. This is this is magic stuff. Yeah, it's great, great stuff. And uh, thanks to everyone for for joining us um, for this one. Obviously, um, just want to say I hope hope everyone has a really good Christmas um, and a New Year. We we may we may do a show um, at some point between Christmas and New Year, but um, 
wishing you all a, a Merry Christmas. Thank you for your your ongoing support and a little bit of patience. We've had a few sort of uh, um, technical issues and one thing and another um, this season where we've we've perhaps missed um, a couple of weeks. But but thanks for your patience and your and your support and thanks for listening. Um, obviously, check out um the uh, the website under gaslitlamp.com um there may or may not be some some gather round again but um if you haven't then 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 go back and check check out the uh craig shows on on youtube um they're uh, they're they're excellent and really really good additions to our channel uh this season and also um give us a follow on this on all the socials including threads although i don't think regan updates that one very much um maybe in the maybe in the near future um when twitter falls apart um but give us a give us a follow on there just to keep up to date with all the all the news from 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 the channel and the podcast um but until then, if you're going to Villa Park on Friday, enjoy the day, have a great Christmas, stay safe and up the villa. <laughs>